Awesome, well good evening, welcome to High and Home, we're so glad that you've tuned in, whether you're watching sort of as we, we put it out straight away on, on Thursday evening or whether you're watching it another time, we're so glad that you've taken this time out to join with us this evening. Over these last couple of weeks, I've been on this sort of journey, sort of grappling with looking at the sort of theme, the reality, the struggle of, of forgiveness. Last weekend, there's uh, Hesha Free Methodist Church, which is our sending sort of partner, mother church, where I'm the associate pastor, and they're the ones who are supporting us as we, we plant Heart Church. I preached a message as part of a series, uh, and looking at the Lord's Prayer, where we looked at the line, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we looked at how it's about forgiving, uh, how we're seeking forgiveness from God, but then also how we for forgive others and reconciliation and, and forgiveness. But this evening, we're going to look at forgiving the person who, who many find the hardest to forgive. And that is yourself. We know what we did and we wish we could undo it. The, the, there's things we said that, if we're honest, maybe we meant at the time, but we wish we could take back. How can I forgive myself when I know what I've done, when I know what I let happen, when I, I know what I said, the choices I have made? That, that guilt that can haunt us, when that guilt just won't go away. I want to start off this evening by just saying to you that, and this important truth that not all guilt is created equal. Because there's a thing called false guilt. Feeling guilty for something you shouldn't feel guilty about. For some it might be that when you were younger your, your parents got divorced and you kind of blame yourself for it. It's not your fault, don't blame yourself. That's false guilt. Or tragically so often victims um, of, uh, who, who've been abused by someone who's through power, uh, someone who's abused their power, whether physically, emotionally or even spiritually. So often tragically that victim feels shame and guilt. Sort of like, I must have done something wrong. It was my fault. That's totally wrong. It was not your fault. Don't fall into the devil's schemes. It was not your fault. Don't believe the lies of false guilt. It was not your fault. But I want to look this evening, though, at two other real kinds of guilt uh, and, and the purpose of and, and the, where we sort of want to find ourselves, I suppose. And now on us to uh, forgive ourselves and to let go some of the hurt and the pain that we hold on to of things that we've done trying to, uh, and how we can forgive ourselves. So the first kind is sort of a godly sorrow, a godly guilt. The, the, the right type of guilt that can actually be a gift when it draws us into the presence of God. The right kind of guilt can be good because it can lead us into life. It can lead us into freedom. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So there's this godly sorrow which, which brings life, which brings salvation, which leaves no regret. But then there's this worldly sorrow which actually brings death. So let's focus, I'm going to focus primarily on godly sorrow, but we'll touch on worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is a, is a sorrow that says, I wish I hadn't done that. That thing wasn't right. I, I dishonored God. I hurt somebody. And, and we, when we got to the place where I, I, I'd do anything to, to not do that over again. I, I would give anything. It, it's, sort of, it's that sort of guilt that brings what's called repentance, that leads to salvation. And it leaves no regret. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to shift, I want to be those who, one of those people that express God's love and heal from what happened in the past. 
Godly sorrow brings that conviction. Well, I'm so, so, so sorry. And it can be such a good thing because it takes you off the wrong path and puts you on the right path. Where we come and we say sorry, we apologise and there's healing and we can live free. Peter in the New Testament is a great example of this. One of Jesus' closest boys in the Bible. Like he, was one, he was there in all the big occasions. He was one that Jesus uh, really uh, was close with. He was one of the three people that Jesus really connected with on earth. And Peter is a great example. Loads of good qualities. But then suddenly out of nowhere, something proper stupid sort of facepalm kind of moments would happen. Where, where he's got his good qualities and he does just something that's really stupid. And this was Peter. And unfortunately, if I'm honest, it can so often be me. I mean, how many can relate to this? Okay, so you're like, you're going in the right direction. You, you're sort of living good, like, you're honouring God. or you, you, Things seem to go well. Life seems to be healthy and balanced. It seems to be going good. And you're in the zone, then one boom, one day out of nowhere, sort of, you, you, you go off track, you do something stupid. Where does that come from? See, this was what Peter was like. And he was saying to Jesus one day, look, I'm your man. I'm not going to let you down. I'm in. Everybody else deserts you. Not me. Anyone denies you. Not me. I've got your corner. I've got your back. I'll always be there for you. If anyone, everyone else lets you down, hey, look, if you're in a battle, if you've got a fight on, I'm there in your corner, Jesus. You are me on your side. I'll never let you down. I'm your man. But then Jesus prophesies. Because Jesus sees through his pride, he sees, sees his weakness. And Jesus said, he prophesies, hey Peter, look, you need to sort of calm down. Take yourself down a page or two. Because before the rooster crows, you're actually going to deny me three times. That's exactly what happens. See, Jesus gets arrested and a little girl walks up and says, hey, says to Peter, hey, well, weren't you the guy that was with Jesus? And Peter's like, whoa, Jesus who? I don't know what you're talking about. And another woman comes up and to him and says, hey, weren't you one of the disciples? Weren't you walking with Jesus? And Peter's like, I don't know who you're talking about. I wasn't there. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I was at home doing crosswords or Sudoku or something. I don't know. Clearly it wasn't on his iPad. Well, do you know what I'm saying? And then we read in scripture about a third person who confronts him in Luke chapter 22 and in verse 59. And it says about an hour later, another person asserted, and certainly speaking of Peter, certainly this fellow was with Jesus, for he's a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Now I'm going to show you something that really challenged me and, and it's sort of, uh, I've never noticed massively before this week. A portion of scripture that you may have not noticed as well if you read, if you've read this before. Just at the moment that Jesus, Peter denied Jesus, scripture says this in verse 61. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. So the moment that Peter let Jesus down, Peter looked at him and caught him straight in the eye. And Peter, remember what the Lord has spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. A godly sorrow. I cannot believe what I did. I'm not sorry I got caught, but I'm sorry because I know what I did. I'm so, so sorry. I'm stupid. I've never felt like this. I mean, have you ever felt like that? 
Like, that, that sort of, that is sort of real sorrow for what you've done. Maybe in the middle of some of your best intentions, some of the things you thought, this is what, where I'm my sort of sweet spot. I'll never do that again. And, and, and then, or maybe you've even sort of gone, right, I'm, I'm going to sort of not do that again. Or I'm going to keep on this path and, and a short time later you do it again. Maybe it's like, I love this person with all my heart, but then in that moment of anger, you say something that you'll regret for years and years to come. You promise yourself that you'll always do this or you'll always do that and then you don't. And you never do. And then you wake up and you realise and I can't believe I did that. Why was I so stupid? How could God love someone like me that never gets it right? That always falls short? That hurts someone I love in such a significant way? The moment you're there, the devil... Our spiritual enemy has you exactly where he wants you. The moment you're dwelling in shame, your spiritual enemy has you in a corner because shame is the devil's playground. Shame is where he wants you. And there's a big difference between godly sorrow, a guilt, a shame that personalizes a behavior. What does guilt say? Guilt says, I did something bad. I did something that's wrong, but it's separate. It's a, it's a separate act. It's forgivable. Guilt said I did something bad, but shame says I am bad. I am a bad person. And what the devil does is he tries to use your action to connect it to your identity, and it cre- creates in you a sense of shame. And from this moment on, the devil wants you to believe that you're pathetic, that you're worthless, that you're never going to uh, go and ever use you again. That you're useless. That, that what you, after what you thought, what you said, and he's to remind you of it. You'll never be happy. You'll never be blessed. You'll, you'll never measure up. You're never going to have a great legacy. You're, you're always going to be marked by that thing that you did in your past and gets you to dwell in shame. So I to tell you that the pain you experience, oh, that's just payment for your past. So you deserve it in some kind of way. But the moment you start dwelling in shame, your spiritual enemy has you exactly where he wants you. You can almost imagine the devil will be telling Peter about this time. You can imagine what the devil will be saying, Peter, you blew it big time. Jesus trusted you. Jesus, all the people in the world chose you, selected you to be one of his disciples. Then you went off bragging about how great you were, that you'd be there for him. And you then let him down. You betrayed him. You fell short. And, and to get just, just off the top, to top it off, Peter, he, you, Jesus saw you do it. He looked you straight in the eye. And guess what, Peter? All the disciples are going to know about it. You're never going to have any credibility ever again. Your life's over. Your integrity's shot. Your ministry's ruined. Peter, you look. You should be so ashamed of yourself. Shame is the devil's playground. What does your spiritual enemy want you to do? The devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. You're not good enough for God. You'll never measure up. After what you did, after the way you think, after the way you behave, after what you said, God could never really love you. That's what the devil wants you to believe. The devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. But God wants to use your guilt to draw you to his grace. Can you feel the power of that? That a godly sorrow says, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. 
but I have a safe place to turn in Jesus. I have a God who loves me, a God who still cares about me, a God who received me, receive me, a God whose mercies in you every morning. Just never wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. You'll never be successful. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never have anything significant. Your life's meaningless. But God is a God of goodness. And he wants to use your godly sorrow as a, a healthy guilt to draw you to his grace. So you receive his mercy and you're free to do his will. But let's just think about this for a moment. It's very similar comparing Peter to what Judas did. They essentially did the same thing. If you don't know the story of Judas, uh, just like Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times, but Judas did it once, but for 30 pieces of silver. And instead of, of having a godly sorrow, Judas has what many of us will be dwelling in, I suppose. He, he had sort of a worldly sorrow, a one of shame. That I'm busted, my life's over, I got caught, I'm so embarrassed, I'm so ashamed. I can never face anyone again. People really knew the real me. But then what did Judas do? You know, actually in his shame, he actually decided to separate himself from God. And actually, because of his sorrow, because of his guilt, he actually led him to take his own life. See, shame is a devil's playground. See, there was Peter who essentially did something very similar to Judas, but instead he had a godly sorrow. A godly sorrow. I'm so sad that I did this. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And, and godly sorrow leads to repentance. Repentance, what was Repentance. Repentance simply means changing direction. Re means to turn. Pen is kind of like penthouse, you know, turning from a lower way to a higher way, a, a better way. It, it's simply turning. Look, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to live like that again. I want to live your way, the higher way. I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to treat someone like that. I, don't, I want to live in your ways. I want to find your freedom. I want to be a blessing. I want to be a voice of hope. It's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, leads to a turning of our ways. But God, I acknowledge that I've sinned. God, I'm so sorry. And I'm not making excuses for what I did or didn't do. It leads to a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And Jesus actually goes on to give his life. Why does he go to do that? He goes to do it for our, the forgiveness of our sins. The, the one who was perfect became sin on, on, for us on the cross. He died in our place he, and the world went dark. Three days later, when some women went to the tomb to check on things, the stone had been rolled away. The tomb was empty. The Son of God, Jesus, was not there, but God had raised him from the dead so that we can be forgiven, so that we can experience and know his awesome grace. In John chapter 21, you can read this powerful story where Jesus shows up to Peter, the one who failed him three times and failed and denied Jesus in front of Jesus' very own eyes. And Peter looks at Jesus and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, I love you. I did love you. I do love you. I just did something stupid. Isn't that the way it is sometimes? Yes, I love you. Yes, I'm going to do what's right. Yes, I messed up. I don't know why I did it. But yes, I love you. And let me tell you what Jesus did not say. He didn't say, I told you that you were going to do it. I told you so. 
He didn't say that. He didn't say, I want you to go and dwell on your past. Go and think about it. You're in a sort of spiritual timeout. Go and sit on a spiritual naughty step. He didn't do that. He didn't say that. You need to go and wallow in your sin for a while. You need to drown in your guilt because now you're going to go to hell where there's gnashing of teeth and, and weeping. And, and No, he didn't do that at all. No, 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 no. Hear this. Feel the power. Realize this. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I do. You can imagine Jesus smiling saying, then feed my sheep. In other words, what, what Jesus is saying, look, in other words, go and do my will. Go and show my love. Go and finish the assignment. Go and live in your purpose that I have for you. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Well, you're forgiven. Go and do what I created you to do. Let me tell you what Peter didn't do. He didn't say, oh, well, I can't receive your grace. I can never get over it. I don't deserve it, Jesus. Your grace might be enough for John or somebody else, but your grace isn't enough for me. No, Peter didn't do that. That's exactly what many of us do. Oh, you can't really forgive me. I, don't, I deserve to live in this shame for the rest of my life. No. He acknowledged his sin. He apologised. He repented. He received the forgiveness of Jesus. And I don't know what it is that you're holding on to. The shame or the guilt you might be feeling about maybe something you did years ago. Something you did that still weighs on you. Something you said. Something in a moment of stupidity. If you've confessed that to Jesus, if you come to the cross of Jesus and confessed it to him, it is forgiven. And it's time for you to let it go. To let it go. And no, we're not going to go into frozen. Because in all seriousness, we then need to let it go and forgive ourselves. There's an awesome promise in God's word in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we, listen to me, if we confess our sins, listen, our God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness, to purify us from all the wrong things that we have done. He's forgiven us and we need to let it go. Let it go. If you take it before God, Jesus has covered it. God does not hold it against you. It says that he chooses to remember your sin no more when you confess it to him. You're free. Don't let the pain of your past rob you from what God is calling you to do for your future. Let it go. Let it go. The neglect, the lies, the words you said, the thoughts you had. Let it go. Because you need to acknowledge the truth that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you will it, no matter how much, much you want it, you cannot change your past. But the good news is, our God can change your future and your present. Let it go. Let it go. You did something you wish you hadn't done. Let it go. You betrayed someone you love. Let it go. Spend the rest of your life now being faithful and change your ways. You, you got hooked on something you wish you weren't hooked on. You're free now to live in the freedom and walk in the freedom and help others find that same freedom. Do you love him? Yes. Then go and do his will. Feed his sheep. Let it go. Maybe you feel like you let God down. You let yourself down. You let somebody else down. If it's covered by the blood of Jesus, don't live in your past. Let it go. Whatever it might be. Drugs someone you slept with, whatever it might be, let it go. But hear this, this is what's going to happen. I want to be real with you. Be warned. Your spiritual enemy is sly and every now and then he'll try and bring up your past. 
Well, you did this. You thought that. You said that. You weren't there for them. You let them down. You can never undo that. And any time the devil brings up your past, remind yourself he's bringing up your past because he's intimidated by your future with God. God's hand is still on you. His grace is still in you. His power still works in you. And just remind yourself, your enemy's trying to walk, to sort, your enemy's trying to talk you out of God's potential and purpose for your life. Forgive yourself. Think about it. This means so much to me. Why did God choose? So who did God choose to be the guest speaker at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descends and the church is birthed? God chose Peter. And what was Peter's message to the, the thousands that gathered? It was very simple and unbelievably powerful. Peter said, repent of your sins, just turn away from it, call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. You'll be forgiven. Think about who God chose to do it, to preach his truth, to lead people to grace. He didn't choose as someone who was perfect. He chose the one who was forgiven. He didn't choose the one who was always faithful. He chose the one who experienced grace. If you've been forgiven much, guess what? You can love so much more. Do you love him? Feed his sheep, do his will, follow Jesus. You are not defined by what you did. That's something you did. That's not who you are. The never wants to connect your action to your identity. You did something bad. So never wants you to think that you will then always be bad. But you know, I believe in God and his name is Jesus who makes all things new. It's what I did. That thing is what I did. But it's not who I am. So I've come to the cross of Jesus Christ and received his forgiveness. I'm a child of God. Yes, that was a bad page in the book. That was a bad chapter in my life. But my story is not over yet. God is still writing my story and I am so confident of this. Paul said that you can be confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will, will be faithful to carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When Jesus comes back again. Whatever it is. The weight, the guilt, the shame. Take it to one who died for it. Confess it. Turn from it. Find freedom and let it go. Let it go. Let it go. You know, there is more grace in God than there is sin in you. And now is a day that I believe for some of us will find freedom and be able to live in the grace that Jesus paid for, that Jesus died and rose again for, that we can live in and embrace grace. We don't have to limit ourselves anymore. We can forgive ourselves and know that it doesn't define us. And I, even this week, I, I've known there's been times when the, the enemies try to remind me of things in my past. But that does not define me. It does not define my future. I'm a child of God, forgiven and saved by grace. To live in the freedom that Christ has died for. He's forgiven me. I have to let it go. I forgive myself. And go on this journey of, of finding true freedom for myself. There's two responses, I think, to today's message. Uh, firstly, I think there'll be some people that are watching today that haven't really come to know Jesus yet. Haven't come to say, look, actually, you know what? I've messed up big stuff. Or maybe actually, like, look, actually, no, I'm not a good person. 
But actually, I want to come to know Jesus. This Jesus who talk about forgiveness and grace. And all you need to do to do that is, as Peter said, as you, you come to the cross that Jesus died for you and you, you say, look, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent. I want to live a new way. I want to follow you and receive his forgiveness. Call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. It's as simple as that. I want to invite you to, to pray that with me right now. If that's you, you want to come to know Jesus and receive his forgiveness, let's do that right now. So Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I'm sorry for my sin. And I choose to repent, to, to, to turn away from that old lifestyle. Those things, those habits, those things and grapple with them and choose a new way to live with you. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. And so I invite you to live in me by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that this evening or whatever, whenever you've watched this, please do get in touch with us. We'd love, you to, support, love to support you on that journey. I also want to pray for you today. If, if actually, actually, as we, you've heard this, this has been really poignant, been maybe like God's been speaking directly to you. Uh, I've kind of been on that journey too this week. So I want to invite you today to, to choose to forgive yourself. It's, and it will be a journey, it's a process, and, and I suppose it's often a journey that comes up sometimes in cycles, I suppose. But today's today to choose to let it go, to forgive yourself. Maybe it's false guilt to, to release yourself from false guilt. Or maybe it's that you're in godly sorrow, and today's the day that you're going to let it go and find life and freedom. I'd love to pray for you right now. So Father God, I pray for each person watching that. For them, this has been a real challenging message that's really spoken to them is powerful i pray that you'll break chains from the past that it won't define them that the lies of the, the their spiritual enemy will not define them that they will know the truth and the truth will set them free that today will be a day where we let go of the past and live in the freedom and the hope and the grace that you have paid for well i pray for each one as they start this journey as they grapple with the challenges of this journey that they will know hope and freedom, and love, and faith, and joy in forgiving themselves today, and in this next few, as this, uh, and the next moments, and in, in their story, it might be ones of, of joy and freedom as they follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.